Dennis Stewart, how have things been humming along during your break? Oh, what a wonderful expression. What a wonderful (laughs) expression. You've hit it on the head, Jane. (laughs) They've been humming particularly well because, as I said before the program, the Hunter Valley has never looked better. Everyone is perfectly happy, including the bees, which are humming and I'm pleased they're humming because when they're humming, I'm humming. <laughs> Excellent. So it's lovely to have you humming back with <laughs> well, us good. for that's 2021 good. That's good. That's as good. well. So yeah. have you been thinking about um, anything in particular that you'd I like have. to share with I us? I have, Jane. I've been listening to the way in which um, this wretched virus is seemingly um, targeting particularly elderly people, and I've given a lot of thought over the, the holiday to the way in which perhaps complementary medicine can help in a small way elderly people to build up some degree of immunological strength to be able to fight uh, viral challenges uh, more effectively. No one's talking about cure. We're talking about the way in which complementary medicine in hand with mainstream medicine can give the ageing process a bit of a halt and encourage elderly people to be more confident because Um, their immune system perhaps becomes a little bit stronger, keeping in mind that some say that death, in fact, is is ultimately um, a breakdown of the immune system, particularly as we get older. So my thinking over the holiday was how complementary medicine, diet, herbs, supplement, lifestyle can perhaps address that issue. Well, Dennis Stewart... Uh, there's certainly been a few viruses around, one in particular, of course, <laughs> that of course, um, of course. we would all love to know how to keep at bay. Sure, um, sure. Well, it's, well been, look, it's been more affecting elderly people uh, too. This is the so thing that has worried me because, uh, uh, how can you call it, I'm not a teenager. <laughs> so when I, was, when I have been noticing the way in which um, the existing uh, virus is seemingly challenging elderly people um, more than, say, younger people uh, with very severe consequences, I have looked at quite seriously, particularly over the holidays, the way in which um, complementary medicine based on diet change, lifestyle modification, uh, sensible supplements may in fact be able to contribute to elderly health and by improving the immune response, the immune strength, so to speak, give elderly people a better opportunity to function more effectively uh, with reference to any viral challenge. So I want to look at that quite seriously, not as a treatment for any one particular virus. That, that, that is not on. I'm talking about, and I will talk about today, the way in which I am convinced that ageing, is something that can be worked against, and most traditions around the world would accept that. And we'll look at one or two remedies in the program that I consider to be generally capable of sustaining the definition of being anti-ageing remedies, bringing with that concept uh, a potential ability to reinforce immunological activity. Uh, Rudolf Weiss, who I've mentioned on this program for years and years and years, a brilliant German medical practitioner, but also a brilliant medical herbalist, which is not an uncommon uh, combination in, in, uh, in Germany in particular. He speaks about um, this particular concept as being the non-specific enhancement of resistance, or we could equally say 
the non-specific enhancement of the immune system. And when we talk about non-specific, we're talking about a process which can't be uh, compared to conventional chemotherapy or immunotherapy, any of the mainstream modern great approaches to dealing with uh, health problems, but in fact looking at ways for harnessing the innate vitality of the human organism to be able to face infection, particularly viral infections, more effectively. This is the thing that I think we need to acceleratingly look at because I have, I have the viewpoint, I have the viewpoint that uh, complementary medicine and the interest in it will necessarily accelerate in the context of our awareness now of our fragility in the face of some of these viral challenges which may continue um, as one virus after another uh, seemingly assaults us. Uh, we will look at ways in which we can improve human resistance through things that people can do without necessarily uh, forgetting or foregoing the mainstream attempt to control it. I think the two work hand in hand. My point is, unless we, particularly elderly people, start to do a few things, we may be missing the opportunity of getting a better result if and when we're confronted with viral infections uh, to which we're particularly susceptible. Mm, yes. It's a real issue. Yes, especially ones we haven't come across before. That's, that's correct. <laughs> so, that's correct. And, it, and this one in particular that we're confronted with now has uh, shown our fragility. And I think it's perfectly legitimate and, in my opinion, not controversial to look at the information that is latent in traditional medicine from good references... Uh, good people that have written and practised this concept, and also looking at uh, the accelerating interest, even in the academic world, with uh, the way in which uh, vitamins, minerals, lifestyle, etc., can have an immunological consequence. For instance, in a recent um, magazine that I read, there was an in interesting article in which the, the writer, uh, as part of her discussion on goals to be set for 2001 spoke about boosting the immune system. And in a very short paragraph, um, this dear lady wrote, COVID prevention will increase the need for rigorous research on vitamins and nutrients. According to studies at Harvard University in the US, zinc, vitamin C, and most promising vitamin D lead the way. While supplement sales are not to increase on the back of this, or are likely to increase on the back of this, so will consumption of foods abundant in these particular nutrients. My point is, however, that here is a recognition, even coming from the academic world, that a look at uh, supplements in particular is now being taken seriously, and these supplements, zinc, vitamin C, and vitamin D are emerging more and more as useful to promote health and competency, better competency of the immune system. Two on your RFM's health naturally, Dennis Stewart. Uh, so diet is important in mm. helping mm. the elderly in particular mm. resist uh, or build immunity, I suppose, to outside Well, I see that fundamental. I think we've looked at this concept before that everything is secondary to the way in which 
food, an interest in food, eating the right food, uh, is practised by all of us. And what distresses me, and I observe it as I move around, uh, observe what people purchase, see what many of my patients are eating, etc., and looking at the conditions that they're suffering from, in my opinion, in my opinion, uh, there is a decline in the interest of this topic and a surrendering, if you like, to the fast food um, scenario uh, where people in many cases, particularly elderly people, have given up on cooking for themselves, being interested in food, and in many cases uh, eating food, uh, particularly convenience food, which reflects itself over a period of time in problem conditions. Look at, for instance, the obesity epidemic. It, it is outrageous, the amount of obesity we see, particularly in the Hunter Valley. And a lot of that, in my opinion, is related to the way in which there is little appreciation as to the importance of eating a balanced diet of rich natural foods, foods prepared in our own kitchens, rather than depending upon convenience foods, usually laced with uh, saturated fats, usually very strong in carbohydrates, uh, very much sweetened, and in many cases devoid of things such as fibre and adequate nutrients. That sort of emphasis, which I believe exists, uh, reinforced by many of the convenience drinks that people purchase in great literage, that, to my way of thinking, is indicative of the way in which, to a large extent, I know this is controversial, to a large extent, we have foregone the importance of becoming interested in our tucker, what we eat, and failing to appreciate that a breakdown of our interest in food, a foregoing of an appreciation of cooking our own food, preparing our own food, being interested in going and selecting fresh food, and seeing the way in which that food, over a period of time, can reflect itself in improvement of health. When that occurs, particularly in elderly people, particularly in elderly people, when we get, as elderly people, a fresh interest in cooking for ourselves rather than depending upon people to cook for us, when we become re-interested in the concept that we can, in fact, resist ageing and help our fight against ageing diseases by looking at foods, selecting our foods and making sure that our diets become, if you like, more natural and more diverse, that, uh, without dwelling on it too long, uh, Jane, that, in my opinion, is what needs to be emphasised more than anything. And elderly people, unfortunately, I uh, see it every day in practice, can, because of depression, uh, living on their own, uh, living in, in fairly um, you know, circumspect circumstances, easily accede to disinterest. Uh, and as a result, their health declines consistent with uh, a disinterest in their diet based frequently on loneliness, depression, etc. By becoming interested in what we eat, by becoming interested in food, and becoming interested in what our forebears used to do, growing some of our own food, that in many ways can overcome many of these factors that now dominate the ageing population, depression, loneliness, uh, insomnia, anxiety, obesity, and giving up, if you like. 
I say to listeners, aged and young, everything starts with an interest in the diet and something we should learn from uh, the beautiful ethnic people amongst us, um, uh, all of them that have brought with them uh, traditional eating habits, learn from them because those people, the majority of them, uh, still eat food that they developed in their own cultures and much of that food I have studied and explains the relative freedom from some of the diseases that many of us experience as we get older. Learn from the Vietnamese diet. Learn from the traditional Chinese diet. Learn from the traditional Greek diet. We learn from that a little bit. But become interested in it and see how that can revitalize your life by becoming interested in it. Get back to an interest in what you're eating. Now, just a little mm. comment on that, Dennis, that um, it's one of the great things about having a multicultural society, mm. the food aspect yeah, and yeah. how our eyes are opened sure. and our taste buds are sure, opened sure. to a lot of these things. But yeah. it doesn't have to take a long time, does it, does this it preparation of it, food? It, it does it indeed. In fact, it, it's very simple um, preparation. This is the point that we need uh, to realise, that it doesn't mean one has to become a, a foodie or, or become constantly preoccupied uh, in the kitchen, one can take on board certain emphases from these uh, dietary practices and gain their benefit. One thing that's frequently forgotten, frequently forgotten, is that even the appendage of spices, warming spices, to our diet can explain why in uh, South Asia, and in fact in Asia as well, there is a, a relative uh, how can I call it, lesser, lesser incidence of respiratory diseases as a result of their food incorporating things like ginger, uh, cayenne, coriander, herbs that have a warming circulatory benefit which has been shown in, in writings to benefit the immune system by improved circulation, warming of respiratory tissues and therefore providing, if you like, a greater resistance to infection. Even if we can get um, people beginning to appreciate that Asian culture, well as well as Middle Eastern culture, emphasise the role of spices, common spices, and begin to blend those into our food, that has an incalculable benefit in addressing diseases that uh, are particularly experienced by Anglos such as ourselves. To in your FM's health naturally. And Dennis Stewart, we've talked about food and its mm, importance, mm, diet, and the, mm, in keeping ourselves mm, um, able to resist yeah, a lot of absolutely. the nasties. Uh, now, you touched on vitamins and minerals yes. a little bit earlier. Yes, yes. Would you like to elaborate on yes, those? Look, I've, I think it's important that we take on board uh, that comment that I made that even in the academic world now, there is uh, interest being shown uh, increasingly, I would say, at the importance of particular vitamins uh, taken in uh, levelled dose or in dosages um, to address uh, disease processes and building up immunity. And the ones that are emerging, and I'm suggesting that listeners see these perhaps as core remedies associated with building immunological health or strengthening it or working against viral infections are those that I've mentioned that were were looked at uh, by the recent academic institution, uh, the uh, Harvard University, who saw that zinc, let me emphasise it, a supplement zinc with vitamin C and vitamin D, they are the supplements that in this article, and I concur with it, 
that are emerging as potentially useful supplements to create resistance to viral infection. Now, there's nothing new in this to me. Uh, I've always extolled the virtues of what Linus Pauling claimed many years ago, that vitamin C as a deliberate supplement had more to offer than what mainstream medicine at that stage had recognised. He was put down initially, and still his uh, enthusiasm for vitamin C is seen as perhaps controversial by some. However, it's nowhere near as controversial as it was, and it's very popular now to uh, have patients presenting who have been to their good GPs where their GPs have in fact encouraged them to supplement their diet with vitamin C. Vitamin C, even though it occurs in fresh fruits and vegetables, is easily neutralised in the cooking process. And when there is a health objective, in my opinion, it's one supplement that warrants being taken as a supplement in a significant dosage to achieve its perceived potential in fighting viral infections. My contention is a deficiency in that crucial uh, vitamin could explain the fragility of some people in fighting respiratory infection. Also, with reference to zinc, zinc has been one of those supplements that most naturopathic practitioners and increasingly many uh, practicing mainstream medicine have seen as having value in fighting infection. There wouldn't be too, uh, for instance, there wouldn't be too uh, many practitioners of herbal, homeopathic, uh, naturopathic medicine that would not be using zinc as a supplement for multiple infections. A patient in yesterday uh, who has a level of acne um, that needs to be managed and one of the supplements that is always offered uh, to particularly adolescents and battling acne is zinc. Uh, Pizzorno and Murray, two writers from the American scene, brilliant academic naturopathic writers, have in all their literature... Uh, their book on natural medicine um, have have presented zinc as a substance to be taken seriously for developing uh, a resistance to infection and fighting infection and of course vitamin D. Now it's very very interesting here we are looking at a time when viruses are increasingly at the end of the day seriously assaulting our respiratory system This wretched virus that we're fighting presently does that. Now, it's interesting, and I was looking at this this morning. Uh, Years and years ago, years and years ago, cod liver oil was used popularly in our hospitals and and prescribed medically for people that were suffering very, very serious respiratory infections. For instance, even in tuberculosis, that wretched um, condition that was so dominant a couple of generations ago, it was not an uncommon thing to find people uh, supplemented with cod liver oil, which contains very, very large amounts of vitamin A and vitamin D. Now, vitamin A has always been seen in our profession as the mucous membrane vitamin. And vitamin D, of course, is even brought up today in all circles as being an unrecognised vitamin with powerful potential perhaps even against uh, some uh, carcinogenic processes, as well as improving uh, the immune immune system's health in fighting viral infections. So have we something to learn from old-fashioned medicine? What I was looking at this morning, interestingly, was uh, Martindale's extra pharmacopoeia. 
Now, this would have been known by doctors and pharmacists going back to the late 1950s. And I was looking at the 1958 edition this morning before the program of Martindale's Extra Pharmacopoeia. And I was looking at page after page on cod liver oil, uh, dosages, how it was used. Uh, I, I, I like the, the, um, the, the terminology that's, that's used in that, in that book, that it's, it's used for people, was given to people that, that weren't thriving, that were becoming emaciated. Uh, that was a supplement that was frequently given to elderly people who were fading, if you like. And it, it jolted my memory that in Ayurvedic medicine, which is the medicine, traditional medicine of South Asia, India, which I've studied and lectured on, um, ageing is associated with emaciation. And when I see elderly people losing weight or when a doctor sees elderly people losing weight, that can frequently be associated with a decline in general health and a decline in resistance. And so failing to thrive, the development of emaciation is one of those things where something as simple as cod liver oil with its vitamin A and its vitamin D is potentially useful and based on Ayurvedic concepts may be useful in resisting those symptoms which eventually emerge as we get older and which we have to fight against. To a new RFM's health naturally. Dennis Stewart, uh, we are talking about things that might help us resist infections, viruses, all of these things, yes. especially in these times and yes. especially for the elderly. Yes. We've had a look at vitamins and yes. minerals. Yes. Uh, what about herbs? Which the, ones the, this, are... this, of course, is, is um, the area that I'm particularly interested in. But as I've rightly said, uh, diet and lifestyle underpin everything. Now, in looking at this topic, over the uh, holiday, I did uh, look at some of the uh, texts that I'd recently purchased and one of them was a, a remarkable text written by an American chap, Stephen Booner, B-U-H-N-E-R, who has written a text, Herbal Antivirals, Natural Remedies for Emerging and Resistant Viral Infections. It's a recent text published in 2013. I was blown away by the technical nature of the work and the man's profound understanding of virology, of viruses. And the way in which he has looked at viruses, the broad spectrum of them, I doubt whether there'd be a medical student who would have such an incisive and comprehensive understanding of the various viruses, their characteristics, their consequences, and there certainly wouldn't be too many medical herbalists that would know as much that this guy knows about certain herbs in their relationship to the immune system. What did impress me in the text was confirmation that my emphasis over many, many years now on the role of the herb astragalus is reiterated in that text. Interestingly, this recent profound text, and I use that term because I challenge any medical professional to read that text and come away from it not impressed with his broad medical understanding of virology and his association of viral infection and their fighting with, with particular herbs, I challenge anyone to read that text and not be impressed, impressed. He came out without any reservation and saying that of the three or four major herbs for building resistance to viral infections, Astragalus is the leader of the pack. 
Now, many years ago, probably 25, maybe 30 years ago, I brought Astragalus into this country in the formula Astragalus 8. And as far as I'm aware, it became the first significant uh, remedy used by practitioners as a means of addressing challenging viral infections. So I come out again and say to listeners, particularly people that are ageing, as far as my awareness is about herbs and, and the best herbs to look at for building up some resistance to viruses and viral infections, Astragalus membranaceus is the leader of the pack on its own or in combination with similar remedies as in, say, the well-known Astragalus 8 formula, I put it forward as being a substance, a combination, a particular herb that has yet a lot to offer in this emerging interest in how we can do better in fighting serious viral infections by harnessing natural medicine. If we're not harnessing Astragalus in the context of vicious viral activity in our society, in my opinion, we perhaps are missing out, particularly the ageing population, the elderly population, my population, we're missing out on a profound possibility. The elderly people wouldn't be able to read this text. It's a significant medical text. But for people with a medical background, read the text, Herbal Anti-Inflammatories or Herbal Antivirals by Stephen Booner. Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Dennis Stewart talking about building immunity, especially mm-hmm. with the elderly. And we've talked about astragalus yeah, being yeah. one of the herbs that can help tremendously mm. in that. And uh, there's more herbs. There are. If, if we see astragalus perhaps as being the leader of the pack as far as a group of herbs that could be best defined as uh, immunosupportive, of encouraging this non-specific enhancement of resistance. Um, there is a herb that we have mentioned very frequently on the program, which still isn't appreciated as much, although I notice that from my practice in New Lambton, it certainly is something that is favoured by many clients and patients that repeat and purchase the order ongoing, the substance ongoingly, and that is the herb known as Panax Ginseng. Now, Panax ginseng, uh, we have mentioned before, and I've presented it as one of these remedies that is popularly used. Now, let me emphasize this, that is popularly used throughout Asia as an anti-aging remedy. And I have referred again in my talk on uh, Panax ginseng, or Korean ginseng as it's known, I've referred frequently to the monograph on that herb in the brilliant work written by Rudolf Weiss entitled Herbal Medicine. Anyone that's sceptical about the potential of Panax ginseng to work against ageing activity, whether it be associated with cognitive factors, uh, physical factors, uh, immunological factors, should even read that brief monograph in Weiss's text and they would come away, in my opinion, with a more intelligent and less cynical attitude towards the potential of that herb. It is best known technically in our profession as what's called an adaptogen. Now, what is an adaptogen? An adaptogen is a substance that has a peculiar ability to harness all aspects of the organism to rally to a challenge such as infection, stress, anxiety. Adaptogen basically means the ability that a herb could induce in the human organism to adapt to challenges to its very existence. 
So an adaptogen in the context of the ageing process, uh, if you like, encourages the vitality of the organism to be able to more effectively uh, deal with an infection challenge. An adaptogen, if you like, causes the organism to adapt more effectively to a challenge to its various health or its, its, its health in various ways. Now, does this explain why ginseng can be peculiarly seen in, uh, in people from Asia who are remarkably more refreshed than what we Anglos frequently are? I've had the experience of uh, seeing a gentleman who was near 90 years of age who looked as if he was 70 years of age uh, who said in a meeting with me, at a dinner meeting, that he put down his health, his vibrancy, his head of jet black hair, uh, and a, a lot of it, to his lifelong ingestion of ginseng. I've seen it in practice, and I've noticed where elderly people in particular, particularly elderly males, begin to use ginseng, this factor of vitality, which is laughed at by the biomedical uh, interpretation of health and well-being, but taken very seriously in traditional medicine, this factor of vitality, which characterises in traditional medicine the ability to fight infection, uh, in, uh, to fight challenges to our existence, that factor of vitality is supported by everything we know about the adaptogenic action of this remarkable remedy, Panax ginseng, which these days is not expensive. It used to be an expensive remedy. It is not an expensive remedy. It is taken in low dosages and when taken on a daily basis as a supplement can progressively work towards improved health and, in my opinion, resist some of the ageing factors, including challenges to our immune system. Ginseng. Great remedy. Great remedy. A wonderful remedy with astragalus. Yes. And mm. um, is that something that you take separately or is it yes. food Look, it's as better, well? Look, it's, it's better to take it separately as a supplement. Mm -hmm. This is the way in which it's used all throughout Asia. In fact, in many parts of Asia, the herb is purchased in, in strips, if you like, rhizomes and, and chopped up and used in various preparations. But it's more convenient in the context of a Western society to use good quality dried herb in an encapsulated dosage form, which can be taken on a daily dosage, like, say, vitamin C or a bit of cod liver oil, something like that. And it's not expensive, Jane, that's mm. the point. Neither mm. is astragalus expensive. Mm -hmm. So all of these things will help. We've still got a minute to oh, go. Well, so we should, we should we finish should... off by saying, and someone would say, who knows anything about uh, herbal medicine, you haven't mentioned the American herb echinacea. Uh, I'll finish off by saying echinacea, was for many, many years seen in the same light that we now see Astragalus. These days, Echinacea, with all its remarkable uh, knowledge and science behind it, again, Weiss talks beautifully about it in his text, these days it tends to be used more selectively. Uh, Astragalus, if you like, has been seen as something which has come in to be used as an ongoing supplement uh, to address perhaps the tendency for infection. Echinacea is seen as something these days which is more frequently used to address the onset of an infection and to be used in helping fight an infection, even with conventional medicine. Once upon a time, we didn't think it was proper to combine things like echinacea with antibiotics. That is no longer so. So someone who's fighting an infection, even with mainstream antibiotics, for instance, 
or, or an antiviral medication could benefit by using echinacea as part of the initial assault on the infection. Dennis, that's mm. a mine of information, mm. as you always are, and uh, just remains to say many thanks, and we look forward to our conversation, Health Naturally, on 2NURFM next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>